Merry Christmas, everyone. It is so very, very good to see you this evening. Hope that you are all primed and ready uh, just to continue celebrating tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow um, our Lord Jesus Christ, his birth into our world. Uh, we want to say a special word of welcome to our guests who are joining us online. We're so very glad that you uh, are spending the evening with us. Well, if you've been around at Southwinds this uh, last month, you know we have been studying together Matthew's account of the very first Christmas. We've been thinking uh, together about how Christmas tells us that God is with us. And so before we light our Christmas Eve candles this evening, what I wanna talk to you about from the end of Matthew chapter one is the perfect baby name. Now, I think most of us take naming our babies very seriously. In fact, you can go online and check it out for yourself. There's all kinds of websites with all kinds of experts giving advice on how you should name your baby. And they tell you a number of things. They tell you things like you should avoid passing trends. In other words, you know, don't give your child a name that's gonna sound really strange and weird in just 10 years. Don't do that. They say things like you should look to your family tree for inspiration, which uh, brings to mind my brand new granddaughter, Ramona, who was born four months ago and named after her great-grandfather who passed away uh, last year. And it also reminds me of Jackson, my grandson born 10 months ago, and his uh, middle name is Michael, which is the name that Dan and I gave our son, which of course is my name. And it also, of course, reminds me of my other two grandchildren, Charlie and Lily, who also have family names. And uh, you, you see how I did that? Um, well, the experts tell you lots of things about uh, naming your kids. They tell you things like you should honor your culture. They, they tell you things about how you should uh, think about what the kids on the playground are gonna do with that name you're giving your child. Um, names are just very, very important, aren't they? And we kind of can get upset when someone messes with our name. A few years ago at one of those church conferences, you know, they printed out the pre-printed name badges that everybody was wearing and there was this woman who kind of came up to the leaders halfway through the conference and she was pretty upset. Uh, she was complaining that her name had been misspelled and that they said, well, what's your name? And she said, well, my name is Sylvia. And and then they looked at the name tag and they realized why she was mad. Uh, she had been walking around with a name tag that said saliva. <laughs> Names are important to us. They're also, they're also important to God. For instance, in the very first book of the Bible, we read about a man named Abram. And God told him, Abram, that name doesn't work for you anymore. Because Abram means father of one family. I'm going to rename you Abraham which means father of a multitude of nations. And centuries later, God fulfilled that promise. He did it on that first Christmas when Jesus was born through the line of Abraham because through Jesus, the entire world, a multitude of nations has been blessed. You know, when you look at what the Bible tells us about the name of Jesus, what you find is really very fascinating. And I want you to see tonight that if you understand what the name of Jesus means, the names that God gave his son at his birth, it really will change your life. So listen to Matthew chapter one, verses 18 through 25. We're gonna focus in on the last couple of verses here, but this is where Christmas begins. And Matthew writes, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. 
His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. Now, you may have noticed Matthew points out for us two names given to Jesus. The first one, of course, is the one we're most familiar with, his name Jesus, and we are told that this name means God saves. Second name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And so these names of Jesus tell us that God will be with us and that God will save us. I want to see, kind of unpack for us three important truths that come out of these two names. And I think when you put it all together, you really do have the perfect baby name. First of all, the name of Jesus means that God sent Jesus and Jesus came down for you. Christmas means that God the Father sent God the Son, his only son, to earth, and he did it for you. Heard a story about a guy who called someone's house, the The phone was picked up by a child and the child whispered into the receiver, hello? The man said, who is this? And the child whispered, Jimmy. The man said, Jimmy, how old are you? And Jimmy said, I'm four. The man said, Jimmy, can I talk to your mom? He said, she's busy. Jimmy, can I talk to your dad? He's busy. Jimmy, is there anyone else there? The police. Can I talk to one of the police officers, Jimmy? No, they're busy. Jimmy, is there anyone else besides the police officers there? Firemen. Can I talk to one of the firemen? They're busy too. The man said, Jimmy, what are all these people busy doing? And Jimmy whispered back, looking for me. You know, there's a reality the Bible teaches us that all of us, we are lost children. And Christmas really is all about God, our Heavenly Father, stopping at nothing to come and search and seek and look for us to bring us back to Him. And here is how far, here's how far God will go to reach you. And if you get this, you will never get over it. In the Gospel of John, the first four verses, John writes these incredible words about Jesus. He says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, 
And that life was the light of men. And the mind-blowing message that John gives us in these verses is simply this, that Jesus, God's son, he has always existed in the beginning from eternity past. He says the word was, he was already there. Jesus has already been. John says the word was with God and that tells us that from eternity past, Jesus has always lived in relationship with God the Father. He says the word was God, that means Jesus is God. And just just try to wrap your mind around that. You're not gonna be able to, but you should really work hard at trying to do it. You give it your best shot. There never was a time when Jesus did not exist. He is eternal because he is God. And he is not the Father, but he is God, the Son and the Father are one. And in addition to that, John's telling us, did you see it? Jesus, Jesus, the Son, the Word, he created all things. He's the agent of creation. And that means that Jesus, the Son, he is the source of light and he is the source of life. And a few verses later, John tells us how far that Jesus, he's just been describing how far down he came for us. This is verse 14. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. So John is telling us that Jesus, God's only son, he left eternity, he entered time so that he could live with us, so that he could show us the glory of God. And this is what Christmas is about. Let's try to put this together just to restate it, Jesus is God's son. Jesus has existed eternally. He is the creator of everything and he is God. But now, he's a baby. It's just staggering, it's, it's astounding. But I wonder sometimes if some of us have heard the story so many times, we kind of let it bounce off us, we shrug it off. I want you to wrestle with this just for a few moments this Christmas Eve. I wanna do that by showing you some pictures. Here's a picture of our galaxy. We call it the Milky Way. It's actually just an average size galaxy. Sorry, those of you who always wanna be number one, you live in an average kind of mediocre galaxy. But it still has 200 to 400 billion stars. And numbers like that are so massive, it kind of just shuts your brain off, doesn't it? I mean, and, and this to put that in perspective, how massive that is, think about this fact. You can put 1.2 of our planet, planet's Earth, inside our sun, and our sun actually is also just a medium-sized star. They have discovered a mega star that is so large that our sun, into which 1.2 million Earths would fit, our sun it would be 9.2 billion of our suns going into this size of this megastar. And there are 200 to 400 billion stars in one galaxy, the Milky Way. The next picture is from the Hubble Deep Space Telescope. It's a picture of galaxies. Every single one of those dots, those lights you're looking at is a galaxy. And all of those galaxies, every one of them has 200, 300, 400 billion stars inside of them. Here's the point that I'm trying to make. The God who created the Milky Way, the God who then has also created another 
200 or more billion galaxies. We haven't counted them all. Each of those galaxies with a couple of hundred billion stars, the God who spoke all of that into existence, that God humbled himself and he came down to earth and he was born as a baby. The one through whom the universe was made came down to just one of those planets. And he came as a tiny baby born in an animal feeding trough. That's mind boggling. But here's what it means. It means that you are wanted. It means that God wants you. God wants you. You know, some of us, Sometime in the past, maybe we've, we've dated people and we were so in love with them that we, we drove all the way across the country just to see them one time. Some of us in our past maybe have bought incredibly expensive Christmas presents that we couldn't afford. We didn't have any money, but we did it because we were in love, right? Some of us have done some crazy things. Why do we do those things? Well, we do those things because when you really love someone, you will go to extremes. And at Christmas, God went to an infinite extreme. He went all the way from eternity down into time and he did it to show you that he wants you. He came for you, he came for you. He is the God who wants to be with you. He is Emmanuel. Second thing that Jesus' name means is that Jesus came to reveal God's love for you. Now, central to being with us is showing us God's love, and the Bible says that God is love. The Bible says that Jesus came to reveal that love, but again, he is the infinite, eternal God who created the universe, so how can he meet us? How can we understand him? Listen to these verses, Colossians 2, 9. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. Christmas, Christmas is about Jesus coming to reveal God to us by becoming one of us. Jesus is God in the flesh. I'm gonna ask you a question. Have you, have you ever wondered maybe what Jesus looked like? Just as a human being, physically a human being. I wanna I want show you a picture. It's actually kind of a close-up section of a famous painting by a very famous painter. His name is Rembrandt. And Rembrandt very famously painted about two dozen portraits of Christ. And he was, he was the first artist in history who didn't paint Jesus glowing, you know, like with a halo. Uh, medieval artists often painted Jesus, you know, blonde and blue-eyed European like he was the... Messiah from Stockholm or something. But Rembrandt wanted, wanted reality. And so because he lived in Amsterdam's Jewish quarter, he, he got some of his Jewish friends to pose as Jesus. He was thinking, you know, this, this is probably what Jesus looked like. Now, we don't know what Jesus looked like physically. But what the Bible tells us is that Jesus reveals what God is like truly what God is truly like for us. In his gospel, again, the first chapter of John, John writes, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only God who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, 
he has made him known. In other words, when I see Jesus, I see what God is like. And in the Gospels, what do we see? Well, we see Jesus welcoming children in a culture that devalued children. We see Jesus loving the outcasts of society, people no one else loved. We, we see Jesus calling himself a friend of sinners, the people no one else wanted to be around. We see Jesus angry at abusive religion. And most of all, we see Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. So Jesus... His name tells us that he came down for you. His name tells us that he came to reveal God's love for you. The third thing his name means is that Jesus came to save you. And that's actually just the literal meaning of that name, Jesus. God saves, Yahweh saves. Now Christmas, of course, is about the giving of a gift, the gift of God's son that very first Christmas. And God's gift begins in a manger but his gift actually gets opened at the cross where Jesus does what he came to earth to do, where he dies to save us. The Bible says, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. He is the one who died to cleanse us and clear our record of all sins. That's why Jesus came, he came to save us. Now I know There are people, and probably even in this room right now, maybe some of you are thinking right now, something like this, you're thinking, you know, well, I don't really need a savior. I don't. Maybe you're asking the question, why? Why why do we need a savior? Can't we just save ourselves? I mean, isn't that the point of life? You know, figuring it all out, becoming, becoming good people. I'll just be honest with you tonight. If, I, if I'm gonna try to answer someone who thinks like that, I kinda need to go a little Dr. Phil on you and just ask, how's that working out for you? I mean, we've had thousands, thousands of years. And our track record really isn't very good, right? Why do we need a savior? Well, the Bible The answer in the Bible is simply this. We are all dead in sin. We are all enslaved to doing life our own way even when it keeps ending up in destruction. That's why everything is so broken. We are all rebels against God. It's in our very nature. That is why, have you ever wondered about this? It's why you can't stop doing the things that are so destructive to you. Sometimes the things you wish you wouldn't do, you just keep doing them, right? And as a result, We all live under God's judgment against our own sin. And here's what I think. I think deep down, deep down, we know this. We know this. Let me just make it personal if I can for a moment. Um, Just just out of of curiosity, okay? Um, Did anyone here sin at all this past year? (laughs) You know, when you're at church, confession is good for the soul, so we're gonna, we're gonna do a hand raise thing on this, all right? Anybody, anybody sin, sin at least, at least one time this year, or if you, you didn't, you know, the person next to you, they looked like they went down a couple of times. Would you just, like, raise your, raise your hand? I mean, what do you do? What do you do with the guilt? What do you do with the regret? with the pain of those words and actions that you can never take back. 
with the darkness that you know is inside you. I don't know if, if you know this, but here at Southwinds, we, we actually have a lot of peace officers who are part of our church family, police and fire and CHP and sheriff and people who work in, in prisons, a lot of, of, of people who are involved in that area of, of serving in our communities. And I, I'll be honest with you, I like pretty much knowing that in every service that we have here at Southwinds, there's someone who's there and I see some of you all across this room even right now, someone watching out, eyes open, you know, ready to protect, ready to serve. One time a few years ago, I asked one of these guys, I said, hey, hey, I'm your pastor and uh, I just, I wanted to ask, if you, I don't know, if you, you know, like one day caught me speeding, would you give me a ticket? I had baptized this guy, by the way. And uh, he said, Pastor Mike, I'd give your wife, my wife a ticket. And I said, well, I know your wife. Um, I understand that, but <laughs> like I'm asking, would you give me a ticket? You wouldn't do that, would you? You know, we, we take officers of justice very seriously in our society, people that carry a weapon, that wear a uniform, hold a badge, and that's a good thing. But what we don't have are officers of grace. You will not be pulled over by someone in the uniform tomorrow who will say to you, you are hereby forgiven. You are absolved of all your selfishness and all of your greed, of all that bitter anger that leaks out of you and hurts people, of all that arrogance and all that self-righteousness, those, those moments of betrayal and the gossip that wounds people, that the lust that rips up someone you love, the hateful words, selfishness, the cowardice. And when we get honest, we must admit that we have darkness inside us and that means we need someone from outside us to come and help. We need someone to forgive us and set us free. We need a savior. Christmas, I have good news. Christmas tells us we have a savior because Jesus was born to die. Jesus came, as the verses say, to reconcile us to God, no longer counting our sins against us. Jesus died to cleanse us and clear our record of all sin. And Jesus came, let's make it personal, to save you. He came for you. And that means, quite simply this, you can be forgiven. Jesus died to take your sins away and God raised him from the dead to prove that his death actually did pay for your sins and he now lives and reigns eternally in heaven offering forgiveness to each of us as a gift and it is a gift, it is free. You can never do enough to earn it but you do have to receive it. In John chapter one, verse 12, we read, yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I wanna say tonight, you can become a child of God. And there's only one thing you need to do and that is to receive God's gift. In Jesus, you can be forgiven. And it's not something that you can earn. It's not something that you can pay for. It is a gift. 
God doesn't charge for his gifts. I mean, you're gonna, a lot of you are gonna open presents tonight or you're gonna open them in the morning. I mean, who here? Is there anyone here who's gonna charge your kids for the presents you got them? You know, you have the box, you're gonna go, want it? Give me 20 bucks. You're not, you're not gonna do that, right? Because that's not what you do with gifts. Gifts are given and they're given freely should it be received. It's also interesting that gifts come wrapped and that's just an image of receiving. You have to open them. And again, just think about this. Some of you, you cannot wait for tomorrow because you have been shopping and you spent a lot of money and you put a lot of time and just find this really, really special gift for someone that is very special to you. And can you imagine if they picked up that gift, how you would feel if they looked at it and they turned it around and it's a gift you've planned for and saved all year and then they just put it back under the tree and said, thanks, <laughs> never opened it. You don't earn a gift, you just receive a gift and you receive the gift by opening it and you open God's gift by receiving his son. Think about about it, Jesus Jesus didn't put a gift under a tree, he put himself on the tree. He's the gift and the question is, will you receive him? Will you come to Jesus? He came for you and he wants to be with you and he wants to save you. You can experience in your life what his name means by asking him to come into your life. Listen to Luke chapter two, verses 10 and 11. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you great news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. The angel doesn't just say Christ is born. He says Christ is born to you. He doesn't just say I have good news. He says I bring you good news. God named his one and only son, Jesus and Emmanuel, because he wanted you to know that he came for you and he wants to be with you, and he did it all to show his love for you so that he could save you from your sins. This is the word that God has for us tonight. Would you bow your heads as we pray together?